for that. And so we started this series a couple of weeks ago called This Is My Story. And what we've been talking about for the last several weeks is we've been talking about the story that God is writing in every single one of you, regardless of whether uh, you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or whether you, you find yourself at the moment very far from God or whether you find yourself in a place where your relationship with Jesus is just growing and things are happening and things are good, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of that, God is writing a story in you. God is writing a story with you. And there is, uh, maybe you've never really thought about the story that God is writing. Maybe you've never thought about this story that uh, that God has been writing in you and with you. And here's the thing. A lot of times, this is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, is that a lot of times, uh, depending on what happens in our life and different circumstances in our lives, a lot of times with our story, we'll try to put a period in our story where God really just meant there to be a comma. Meaning that uh, your story is not over yet. There's still a lot of your story left to be written. If you're in here this morning, you're present with us here today, which all of you are, right? And so your story, there is a comma in your story because it's not finished yet. It is not done yet. There's still more to experience. There's still more to tell. And so we've been talking about practically how we can do that and why that is important uh, in our lives. And so we're going to continue doing that today as we look at a passage from Acts uh, chapter 8 here in just a few moments. But I believe I believe this with all of my heart, and I've believed this for a really, really long time, but the older that I get, uh, the more I see how really important this is. Um, And so I hope that you'll see this too, but I believe that if we will listen to God's voice and do what He says, our life, our life will become full of unexpected adventure. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it because I've experienced it. And I don't know if you've experienced that yet or not. I don't know that you've ever taken that next step or not. But I'll say it again. I believe with all of my heart that if we will listen to God's voice and do what he says, that's important. You've got you to add that part on there. Like just listening to God's voice is one thing, but doing what he says is the whole other thing. But if we will listen to God's voice and do what he says, our lives will become full of unexpected adventure. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the unexpected adventure that God invites us into when we listen to his voice and, and do what he says when he, uh, when he calls us and speaks to us. I heard someone say this once. They said that uh, by following Jesus, by following Jesus, your life will be better and you'll be better at life. I love that. So by following Jesus, your life will be better, and you will be better at life. Now, you have to, you have to kind of pause for just a moment, because you have to understand, you have to uh, think about what your definition of better is, okay? Because sometimes, sometimes better doesn't necessarily mean the same thing that you and I think that, that better means. And so here's what I mean, and here's what I think that he means by the, the term better, It'll just be, it won't always be great, it won't always be perfect, things won't always fall into place, but at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you will have had a better life because you followed Jesus. And I believe that. I believe that. Not everything in my life has been perfect. I still have issues. I still have problems. I still have bad days. I still have bad moments. I still have things that I wish wouldn't happen and still experience those kinds of things, but I still believe that because I've been following Jesus for 20 plus years in my life now, my life has become better. My life has become better. And I also believe that I've gotten a little better at life. And I hope that you've experienced that. And if you haven't experienced that, let me just tell you, 
This is what happens when we follow Jesus. And not just following, following him as in I like him and I admire him and I think he said some good things and so I'm going to listen to him every now and then. But listening to his voice and actually doing what he says when he calls us and he speaks to us. Now, how many of you would say that, um, that you could actually use a little more adventure in your life or that you'd like a little more adventure in your life? All right, a few of you. All right, all right. I like that. I was a little worried about that, you know, because you never know, like, what, how people are going to respond to that. Like, if I would have asked that question and everybody's like, no, I just kind of like to be bored. You know, I'm good. And I'm like, well, this message is, you're going to hate it. So, uh, congratulations. But, uh, now, there's a difference, though. You've got to think about this. N- notice that I didn't say chaos, right? There's a difference between chaos and adventure, right? Like, there's a, a huge difference between those two things. And I believe that, that we seek after a lot of things in the name of of adventure, don't we? Like we, we will try different things and we will do different things and we will, we will do some, some pretty dumb things. Like in fact, if you want to uh, get a good laugh, just go to, to the source of all adventure, Google, right? And, and just Google, you know, stupid adventures, all right? Or stupid things that people do in the name of adventure. And you will find things like, you know, the, the running of the bulls. Anybody ever wanted to, you know, go to Spain and do the running of the bulls? Okay, a few of you, all right. All right, well, you're crazy. And uh, I would deem that as not so much fun. Like, I don't want to do that. that there's nothing in my body that wants to do that. Right? Or, uh, like, uh, high, like, I saw this guy not too long ago. He did, uh, you know, like this high wire thing over the Grand Canyon, right? Did you see, you guys see that on TV a while back? Like, that was, that was nuts. I'm like, not me. I'm out. Right? And this guy's like, oh, you know, it's just an adventure. I was like, no, it's stupidity. That's what that is. Because you, my friend, are crazy. And so, like, you just, there, we will do some really, really dumb things in the name of adventure. Now, if maybe you're not like that kind of adventurer, maybe you're not that kind of like adrenaline junkie, or maybe you're more of a, a safe adrenaline junkie, you know, like me, like I like riding roller coasters. I think that's, you know, decently safe, and so I'll, I'll do that. Others of you, how many of you think I'm not getting on a roller coaster because it ain't safe? Uh, how many of you say, <laughs> all right, a few of you, all right, I'm surprised by a few hands that just went up, all right, uh, I think less of you now. No, I'm just kidding, I'm joking, <laughs> totally kidding, totally kidding. All right, so, uh, but we, uh, I don't know where that came from. It's early. 11 o'clock is going to go really bad. Um, But uh, we will will do some some crazy things. We will do some dumb things in the the name of adventure. But but here's what I believe, and you guys already know where I'm going with this, because I believe this. I believe, I really do believe that, that following Jesus is an adventure. Like, I really believe that. And if you've been following him for any length of time and you've been going after him and you've been doing the best that you can to listen to his voice and do what he says, I bet you probably believe that too. And I think that as we look at today's message, we're going to not only see that in Scripture, but we're going to look at a couple of different things that the Scripture is going to show us today that uh, really back that up. John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus, uh, he said this, he says, I have come that they may have Life Or the thief, he comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus said. He says that there is somebody who wants to steal something from you, that wants to take something from you, that wants to take your life away from you. He says that's what the, the thief does, or, or the devil, or, or Satan, or ha- however you want to uh, define him. He, he, he wants to come and take our lives from us. And, and to take our lives from us isn't necessarily to come and actually snuff out our physical living life. He doesn't have that power over us. 
But with the power that he does have over us and the power that, that he can uh, do to us is to make us bored or to, to make us uh, stagnant or to make us think that life has nothing else to offer us or nothing else to give us, that there is nothing else out there, that once we've reached a certain point in our lives, it's just kind of like, you know, I just got to live the rest of this out, you know, however long that is. And when I get to the end, I get to the end, you know. How sad is that? And so Jesus says that he comes to, to take that away from us. He says, but I've come. I've come to that, that you might have life and to have it more abundantly. You know what that means? It means that Jesus is saying, like, I, I've come to give you something amazing. And to give you a life that you never would have imagined yourself. A life that, that will blow you away. Now I love that Jesus, I love that Jesus says that, and I love that that contrast there. I think one of the worst things that we could ever say about our lives is, you know what, I, I had a long one, but it was pretty dull. Like, I think that's one of the worst and most sad things that we could ever say. See, we get to we get to do this one time. You and I, all of us, like we get to do this one time. And I want a life, I don't know about you, and I think that you do, but I want a life that matters and one that leaves a mark for things that actually do matter. So let's look at this together. Acts chapter 8, uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 26 here in just a moment. I want to give you a little background as to, to where we're at here and, and who we're going to be talking about. But uh, you're, we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of, of Philip. And uh, Philip uh, comes up a, a little earlier in uh, chapter, I think, chapter 6 or so, where, where Philip is actually one of uh, seven people who were chosen by the other apostles to, to help minister to widows and, and other people you know, ar- around the church that uh, seem to have been neglected at one point, and so they realize that they need more help, so they call more people in to come and help them. And, and Philip is one of these guys who, who takes that next step, who, who goes on to, to do some really incredible things. Things, but uh, Philip also, he begins to preach and begins to, to speak, and we start to see this in Acts chapter 8 a little bit, where he goes to a place called uh, Samaria, and he begins to preach the gospel there. In fact, he, he meets a guy by the name of Simon, who's a magician, who's uh, doing uh, magic tricks, and, and he gives his life to Jesus and is baptized, and it's a really great story that you can read, and there's some really important lessons there from Acts chapter 8 in the first couple of verses there. But um, Philip is uh, one of as in the Bible, who really gets to go on one of the first mission trips, like one of the first real mission trips in the Bible. Uh, there's a time in, in the Gospels where Jesus, he sends out his, his 12 disciples, and then another time where he sends out 72 or so uh, people. They kind of go on a mission trip, and that's, uh, you know, a mission trip is one of those things where you just go out and you leave the place that you're from, and you go to some other place and you just share the Gospel with people. And so Jesus sends some out uh, in the Gospels, and we see that in uh, the book of Luke. But uh, here in the book of Acts, the church is kind of, after Jesus has been crucified, he is resurrected, and he left them with a mission, they've sort of kind of just been gathering around the city of Jerusalem, and that's really the only place that they've been at this point. They, they've not really gone out from there. They've never re- have a, uh, never really left from there at this point, but Philip, Philip is the first one to actually leave from there and go and begin to preach the gospel in other places, and so he goes to a place called Samaria, which uh, if you know anything about uh, the Bible, Samaria was a place that wasn't necessarily the first place that you would think that people would go and actually preach the gospel there. And you can kind of read about why that is uh, when Jesus has an encounter with a woman uh, from Samaria. So 
there, he goes to a place south, to a place called Gaza. And so, the best way that I know how to uh, uh, tell you a little bit about Gaza is like this. It's uh, in the southern part of Israel, and it's a, especially at the time, it was a, a tiny little place, tiny little town in the southern part of Israel. And so Gaza is kind of like one of those little places that you pass on the way to the beach. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, so if you've ever been to Myrtle Beach, or if you've ever been to Destin, or uh, Panama City, I think even, or uh, maybe even like... Um, Gosh, I don't know, uh, like Gulf Shores or something like that, you know, especially a lot of the places there on the Gulf. Like, you, you have to get off the interstate and you have to travel down a lot of these little tiny two-lane highways, you know, for most of the trip or about half of the trip to get to those places. And you end up passing, like, these little tiny little towns that are along the way. You go to places like, uh, we go to Destin a lot in, on the Gulf uh, of Florida, and when we go down there, like, we, we go through little towns called Andalusia. Anybody ever been to Andalusia? Anybody? Okay, a few of you, all right, so if you you've been like to that place, you've been to Andalusia. Anybody know what's in Andalusia? Just a little trivia question. Andalusians, man, fantastic. I'm done. I'm out. Good job. Robert, you win. Andalusians, that's so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the Hank Williams Senior uh, Museum is in Andalusia, uh, in Andalusia. So anyway, so there you go. If you ever wanted to go see the Hank Williams Senior Museum, it's, that's where it's at. All right, so nobody, nobody goes there, in fact. And so anyway, so like Gaza is like, Gaza is like one of those places. It's like just one of those little tiny little towns along the way that nobody's really stopping. Like it's not a destination. Like nobody's ever really going there to go there. You just pass there on your way to something or to some other place, but... Philip is actually going to go there, and uh, it's, it's interesting how he actually ends up there. And so, on his way, uh, you know, he, he's going to uh, go there, and he's going to share the gospel. He's going to share the gospel uh, on his way to, uh, to this place as he is listening to the voice of God and just trying to do what he says. And so let's look at this. Acts chapter 8, we're going to pick it up in verse 26, and we're just going to read a few verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll stop and uh, talk about a few things. So when it comes to sharing our story, and what I mean by sharing our story, um, sharing our story is just really telling people what God has done in us and through us. In other words, it's your story. Like, your story is your story. I can't tell your story. Only you can tell your story because God has written your story. He is writing your story. And so when I say, you know, telling your story, what I'm really saying is I'm saying, you know, talking about uh, who you were before you met Jesus, what happened when you met Jesus, and what has happened since you've met Jesus. That's your story. And you're going to tell it different ways. Like, you might not say it like that. It's like, well, let me tell you who I was before I met Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Now, let me tell you what happened when I met Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you're probably not going to tell your story that way. But your story and different parts of your story will probably have those three different different elements in your story as you share the gospel with people. And so when we do this, when we do this, when it comes to sharing our story, if we will listen to God's voice and do what he says, there will be, there will be I think, a multitude of things that happen. But I want to show you three or four things that will as we look at this. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, says this. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 
In other words, translation, there's not a lot of people there. There's not a lot of things going on there. And so it says, rise and go to the south. Now, notice that it doesn't say go north. And so let that be a lesson to all of you who moved from the north down to the south. Uh, This is a biblical thing, and so you're in the right place, all right? Amen? So, congratulations, you made it. Uh, so he says, he says, rise and go to the south. Now, notice that it also says, an angel of the Lord came to Philip and said. And so the first thing is this. When we listen, when, we, uh, when it comes to sharing our story, if we will listen to God's voice, the first thing is this. God will take us to places we've never been. God will take us to places we've never been. And so this is the beginning. He sees an angel, and an angel comes to him and says, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go south. Now, most of us uh, won't, or at least won't see an angel come to us, but I believe that we can hear the voice of God. Like, I believe that. And, and I believe that we're going to hear it in different ways. I believe that we're going to, it's going to come to us in a different way. So an angel may not show up to you physically. An angel may not, uh, like Philip, come to you physically and stand in front of you and say, I want you to go south, but I believe that you can hear God's voice. And here's how I believe that you can hear God's voice. I think there's a multiple uh, different ways that that can happen. I think that you can hear God's voice like right now. I think that I've been praying this all week as we've been preparing to come here today that you would hear God's voice. I pray that every single Sunday that you will hear God's voice, that there will be something that is said, whether it's sung through the music, whether it's a video that we show, whether it's through whoever is communicating from the stage. I hope and pray that you will hear God's voice where you sit. Because if you don't, if you don't, then I hope that you'll come back the next week and hear it. That's part of us gathering here uh, today is not that we would just get a whole bunch of knowledge, but that that we'll actually hear from God. But not just here, like this is not the only place where you're going to hear God's voice. I believe that you can hear God's voice on Tuesday afternoon on your drive home from work. I believe that you can hear God's voice when you're in the middle of the chaos of of taking care of your family and your home. Uh, You know, most of you probably get a word from the Lord when you're in the shower, right? Like, I mean, you just, just in the most random times, random of places, like, like sometimes, like, God just speaks to us. And, and I think that he'll speak to us in different ways. Like, sometimes it's not in the physical way. Like, I don't really believe that, that God is necessarily going to show up in your uh, alphabet, you know, soup or alphabet cereal or, you know, Cheerios or whatever and spell something out for you in the middle of your meal. That would be awesome. But I don't believe that that ever really happens, you know, necessarily. And if it does happen, it's called a weird God story. Don't tell it to anybody, okay? Because they're not going to believe you, all right? No, I'm just kidding. You can tell it. But like, like we, and we all have like a weird God story, don't we? Like we have one of those moments where it's like, ah, you know, this thing happened and like you, maybe you've told somebody those things and, and they were just like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, you know. And so sometimes I just like to kind of keep my weird God stories to myself and, and just tell the results of the weird God story, right? So anyway, um, and so, but God's going to speak to you. I believe that God's going to speak to you and I, and I believe that you can hear him. And we'll talk about how you can hear him here in just a few moments, but sometimes God will speak to you through other people. Sometimes he'll speak to you through uh, just circumstances and different things that are happening in your life. I believe that God speaks to us. God has spoken to us. We're just not always listening through the scriptures. If you want to know what God says, read what God has said, (laughs) right? 
And I believe that that is one of the clearest, most easy ways that we can hear from, from God is that we actually read the Scripture and see what He says. And so God speaks to Philip. He comes to Philip through an angel and tells him to go south. Now, I love that he just says, I just want you to go south. He doesn't tell him where to go south. He just says, I just want you to go south. He doesn't tell him what to do when he gets there. He says, I just want you to go south. And so Philip listens And then, here's the important thing. He actually does what he says. That's a novel idea, isn't it? He listened to God's voice. God's voice said, I want you to go south. And so he gets up and he goes south. Now, there have been times in the scripture where God has spoken and people decided not to listen, right? Like the story of Jonah, right? There's a a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Jonah. And uh, he is a preacher of all things, right? And the voice, uh, it says, the voice of the Lord came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Tarshish, right? It's a, it's a place uh, not where you're at right now, I want you, or Nineveh, I'm sorry, you want to, I want you to go to Nineveh. And what Jonah does is Jonah actually goes to a place called Tarshish. He goes to a different place. And so he listens to God's voice and he says, yeah, sure, I'll go to Nineveh, not. And he gets on a boat and he goes in the opposite direction from the way that God actually told him to go, because there's a whole story behind that, right? And so we can hear God's voice sometimes and then completely ignore it, or we can do something completely opposite of what he says when we know that he has told us to do something different. And so God tells Philip, I want you to get up, I want you to go south, and he gives him sort of a, a vague direction to go, a vague direction to go, but you have to understand this. It wasn't about the destination necessarily. It was about the journey. Because as you'll see, if you continue reading in the book of Acts, and especially Acts chapter 8, that where Philip stops at, and what we're actually going to talk about, uh, the, the part where he stops at just for a few moments, that's not really the destination. That's just part of the journey. That's just along the way. And so God sort of gives him a, a vague direction to go, and I believe God will give you and I vague directions to go sometimes. But God will take us, if we will listen to his voice, he'll take us to places that we've never been. He'll take us to places that we've never been. When we started this church, we started it um, sort of vaguely. You know, we, uh, we were praying, uh, the group of 13 of us that began this church, we were praying about where to start this church and where to, to plant a church. And, and we had uh, no intentions whatsoever of planting a church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. No intentions of doing that. Zero intentions of doing that. In fact, it wasn't even on the list. We have, had a list of about 15 or so different places. And, and as we felt God speaking to us, we just marked places off. And then, you know, I was really praying and hoping for Charleston, South Carolina. And, and it's just a great place. And it's near the beach. So, hey, and they got great food. So uh, Charleston, South Carolina would have been an awesome place to plant a church, I believe. Um, but, you know, just in the middle of that, God said, I want you to plant a church in Oak Ridge. And, and, and it didn't happen because an angel came to me. It didn't happen because something got spelled out in my food or there was this, you know, visible sign on the interstate, you know, or anything like that. It just helped. It, it just happened because I was just listening to God's voice. And there was just something in my soul. There was just something in my gut and in my heart that said, no, 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 I want you to be, I want you to be here. I want you to be here. And, and so here we are. And so do I believe that if we listen to God's voice, God will... Uh, God will take us to places that we've never been? Absolutely. I, I mean, I'd been to Oak Ridge before. I'd been here. You know, I, I grew up not too far from here, so I'd been here before. But I didn't live here. I didn't do life here. I didn't really know a lot of people from here. So we'll, we'll see how this continues to, to play out. So that's number one. I, I, I believe that 
If we just make it only about the destination, we'll, we'll miss too much. It's all about listening to God's voice. Secondly, secondly, if we will listen to God's voice, God will introduce us to people you might have never met. God will introduce us to people we might have never met. Look at this, verse 27. It says this. It says, and he rose and he went, so he listened to his voice and he did what he said. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, a eunuch, uh, a eunuch is an interesting person. Not only was he from Ethiopia, so uh, he didn't look anything like Philip. He wasn't Jewish like Philip, and so he would have been considered a Gentile, meaning someone who is not Jewish. And so at the time, uh, the gospel is really only being shared with, with the Jewish people around Jerusalem. And so Philip has left there, gone to uh, Samaria, where he begins to share the gospel with people who weren't Jewish. And then he meets this Ethiopian along the way who is not Jewish. And, and so he sees him, and that's who God says, I want, you to, I want you to go to this person. I want you to stop and have a conversation with this person. And this eunuch was very different because a eunuch is a person who was... Uh, well, a eunuch was a person who was castrated, all right? And, and so they were sexually altered, and the reason why is because uh, they served the court officials, they served the queen, and in order to do so, a person that was in that type of position had to be trusted. And in order for that person to be trusted, that was their step to show that they could be trusted. All right, so I don't want to be trusted. And... Uh, <laughs> now, don't take that clip out of the podcast... And just put that out. Here, listen to my pastor. No, all right. Anyway. So that's what the eunuch decided to do, not what Bobby decided to do. And this is the eunuch. And so the eunuch is, that's, that's what he does. And so he is a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. But he is traveling to Jerusalem. He is on his way to Jerusalem because he is actually a person who is, who is interested in God. He is a person who, who wants to know more about God, and there's an interesting, uh, interesting thing that happens here along the way. And so listen to this, verse 28. It says, uh, he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, in other words, God said, the voice of God said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip meets a man he never would have met had he had not went and listened to God's voice. And so think about it for yourself. How many people have you met because you listened to God's voice and did what he said? Now some of you, you're, you're here at, at the ridge and you've met people that you never would have met if you had not had come here at the ridge. And I believe that you didn't end up here by accident. I don't think that you, I don't think that you just wandered in here one day and be like, where's the Walmart? This ain't, this, you know, like, I don't think that that happened. I think that you ended up here on purpose, for a purpose. And I think part of that purpose is because of the people that you've met. And the people that many of you do life with now. Like, your life is different because of the people that you've met. And then it starts with listening to the voice of God and doing what he says. And this is what happens with Philip. Philip meets a man that he never would have met had he had not listened to the voice of of God. You don't know what hangs in the balance, but I promise you it's big. I promise you it's big. Philip didn't know what hung in the balance here, uh, and it's something that I believe God had planned all along, and it was really, really big. It was really big. 
And so secondly, that's number two. Secondly, God will introduce us to people that we might have never met when we listen to his voice. Number three, when we listen to the voice of God, God will engage you in a conversation you never would have had. God will engage you in a conversation that you never would have had if you'll listen to his voice. Look at verse 30. Listen to the conversation that Philip and this Ethiopian have. It says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And I love that Philip asked that question. That's a great question, right? He says, hey, I see that you're reading scripture. I see that you're reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand it? And he asked, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? The eunuch didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. He hadn't heard the story. He hasn't been in Jerusalem. He didn't hear all of the commotion about this man who was crucified and was resurrected and appeared to hundreds of people after the resurrection and then ascended into heaven. Like the eunuch had no idea about Jesus. And so he asked the question, he's like, who's Isaiah? Who's this guy talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He told him the good news about Jesus. And I love this. This was a layup, right? Like this was, this was, not, a, this was not a cold call moment. Has anybody ever worked in a call center? Anyway, I don't know if you want to admit to that or not. But like, I, I, I've done that. And hey, a job's a job sometimes, right? You got to do what you got to do. And so I, I've done that. I've, I've worked in a, in a call center before when I was in college. And I remember like, just how, like, I, I just, it, man, it was the worst, like, for me. Because I, I, I didn't like it. Like, you'd just call people up, you know, and they'd answer the phone. And a lot, a lot of times they'd just be angry, be like, why are you calling me, you know, kind of thing. And you'd have to try to sell them something. It was awful. I hated it. But anyway, it was a job. And so this was not that, though. This was not one of those cold call moments. This was not one of those moments where, where Philip just sees this guy and like sits down with him and says, hey, let me just tell you about Jesus. Now, this, is a, this was a layup because he noticed that, look at the series of events. He noticed that he's reading the scriptures. And so Philip starts with a great question. He says, hey, do you, do you know what it is that you're reading? Philip's like, or the Ethiopian's like, no, I I don't actually, would you explain it to me? Cha-ching, right? It's like, yes, I will. (laughs) And it says, so let me tell you about Jesus. He says it shares the good news with him. The good news, we call that the gospel. And it's about what Jesus has done. And so Philip, it doesn't say everything that Philip, it just says that he shared with him about Jesus. You, You have to imagine that Philip, Philip is telling him his story. He's telling his experience with Jesus to, to this man. Um, and so if you connect the dots here, Philip listens to the voice of God. He does what he says, and, and God gives him this easy opportunity to step into to, to share his story. And I believe it was a divine setup. Like God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing here. And so look at how God put this together. Philip had to be available. Philip made himself available. He listened to the voice of God, and he did what he said. And so the question for us is, is are we available? 
Are we making ourselves available? Got a couple of questions to, to wrestle with after this. Number four, last one is this. Number four, God will, when we listen to the voice of God, God will have you experience things you never would have imagined. Look at what happens next. Verse 36. After he shares the good news with him, it says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, how would he have known anything about baptism had Philip not shared his story of baptism with them, right? And so Philip, as they're going along, they see some water along the side of the road, which was crazy because what did the Bible say just before this? That it was a what kind of place? A desert place. But, oh, there's water. What's up? Right? So what happens is, is God's like, I'm going to put all this together. I'm going to show you how this works. Look at what happens when you're obedient to me. I'm going to set things up for you. This is good. Just listen, and I'm going to do this. You just listen and do what I say. And so there's water, and the Ethiopian says, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? And so Philip says, well, you can't be. You've got to go through this class and... Um, you know, we're going to, how much do you give to the church? And no, that's, that's not what he says. I love what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Right there, on the spot. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way rejoicing. Verse it says, but Philip found himself in Azotos as he had passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And so uh, Philip's journey is still not over yet. He's still going. This is just something along the way. This is not the end of the destination. This is just something that happened along the way. And so again, the destination is not necessarily the most important thing. What happens along the journey is what's important. And so the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian, he, he receives the gospel. He s- receives the good news. Philip tells his story, and then he is, he is baptized. I love that. I love that. We're going to do baptisms here on Easter Sunday. There's going to be people uh, baptized on Easter. And what better day to be baptized than on Easter Sunday as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus and we celebrate new life in people who have given their life to Christ and are following him and and taking these next steps. And so if baptism is your next step, uh, you can be baptized on on Easter Sunday. And so if that's something that you're interested in, mark that on your Connect card. Say, I'd like more information about baptism on Easter. We would love to talk with you about that. And and see that you get baptized on, on Easter Sunday. Uh, it'd be absolutely amazing. And so Philip had no idea what hung in the balance by listening to the voice of God. And so here, here's the crazy thing. And, and we learned this through some other historical um, books uh, that aren't mentioned here in this story. But one of the things that we learned about this Ethiopian is that he actually takes the gospel back to Ethiopia. And uh, churches are, are started to be planted in Africa and Ethiopia. And uh, through some uh, other historical writings, it's believed that it's because of what Philip shared with the Ethiopian that he took the gospel back to Ethiopia and began to share it with other people. Absolutely amazing. And so the gospel, the gospel begins to spread. And so what stands between us and this life of adventure? Well, I think it's a couple of questions that we have to wrestle with. A couple of questions. Number one, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to listen? And we need to practice listening to his voice. And so we have to create margin in our lives to do so. And so that, that may mean that, that, that we have to not be so 
busy to, to listen to his voice and do what he says. Because God says this, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And so are we, are we making time to listen? Are we making time to listen? Are we shutting off technology? Are we shutting down all of the noise around us just to listen every now and then? Secondly, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I, am I asking for the opportunity? Am I asking for the opportunity? Are, are you asking for the opportunity to share your story with people? I believe with all of my heart that if you want the opportunity, God will give you the opportunity. Sometimes we just have to ask for it, though. Sometimes we have to maybe start our day out, or sometimes before we walk into to the store, or before we go into work, or before we go into school. Like, if you would stop and pray a prayer, I promise you that you would have the opportunity. If you would just pray this prayer, God, give me an opportunity to share the good news about you today. Give me an opportunity to share my story. Like, I believe, I believe that God will give you the opportunity. If you don't believe me, just try it for yourself. That's the only way you'll know, right? Go try it for yourself. So are we asking for the opportunity? Um, I, love the way that, uh, I love the way that Colossians, Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. And I'm actually not going to read it from the English Standard Version, which is what I normally read from. I'm actually going to read it from the message because I, I love the, the paraphrase of the message and how it actually uh, frames this and paints this picture of this. So listen to this. This is from the message version uh, of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. I love that. I love that. And then last question is this. Am I willing to take a risk? Am I willing to take a risk? You know, sharing your story or asking someone their story has a risk involved. You know, there's a risk to, to maybe feel a little dumb or to, you know, be thought of differently. Or, I mean, there's just risks that are involved. We don't, we don't face the same type of risk that we would um, if we were in another part of the world where the risk is, is death to share our story. We don't face that risk here, thankfully. But there's other types of risk involved. And are you, am I, willing to take that risk? Because we never need to forget what hangs in the balance. We never need to forget what hangs in the balance. Um, there's a, a book, you, you've heard of it, I'm sure. It's old, uh, by Charles Dickens called A Tale of Two Cities. And um, I love the book. Um, the movie is old, too, and I, I actually I, I love that, too. But uh, in it, uh, there's this man, uh, his name's uh, Sidney Carton, and and uh, Sidney, uh, he, he, he breaks into the dungeon where a man uh, who looks like him, uh, the guy uh, Charles, Charles uh, Darnay, right? Uh, he breaks into the dungeon and he sees a man who, who looks like him uh, into the dungeon. And uh, this, this guy Charles, he's about to be put to death. He's about to, to go to the guillotine like, like many people who are in the dungeon and in the prison with him down there. And so uh, Sidney breaks in and he sees Charles uh, and he takes Charles out basically because uh, Charles has, you know, he has a wife, he has a, he has a kid. And uh, Sidney, he sits there, and he takes his place, and he goes, and, and he just keeps his head down, uh, waiting to be put to death. He's actually uh, taking the place of, um, of Charles. Uh, and, and so 
he's there, but there, there are a bunch of other people that are around him, and there's this, uh, you remember this maybe, uh, but there's this little, little lady, this, this seamstress, uh, seamstress who comes up to him, and, and she's waiting to be executed too, and so she sees this man and, that she thought was Charles, but the more that she looks at him, she realizes that, uh, that it's actually somebody else, because um, his cap is pulled down, it's over his face, but, but she recognizes him, uh, and when she recognizes him, if you've seen the movie, like, uh, the older movie, like, you can see it, but her eyes get really big. She's like, oh, no, right? She's like, it's not the same guy. And she says this, she says, are you dying for him in his place? And he answers her, and he says, yes, for him and for his wife and his child. And then so she says, she says something like this. She says, you know, Mr. Stranger, I don't think I can face my own death. Maybe if I hold the hand of someone as brave as you, I'll be able to do it. And he says, all right. And that's, that's what he does, right? You see, Jesus, Jesus doesn't call you to something that he's not done himself. He doesn't call us to, to do something that he has not already done. But here's the other thing. Is that he promises to be with us. Matthew chapter 28, he says, this is what I want you to go and do. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to tell your story. I want you to go, and I want you to be around people, and I want you to listen to my voice and do what I say, and I want you to go on this adventure. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. But then at the very end of that, sometimes we leave this off and we forget about it. At the very end of that, he says, and I will be what? With you. He says, I will be with you until the very end. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to go with you, I'm going to hold your hand in the process. 